0: Women in my family have gotten either fallopian tube or ovarian cancer. And one of the things that I noticed growing up and in my childhood was that the women in my family sacrificed everything for everyone but themselves. Welcome to Radically Loved
1: Radio. I am your host, Rosie Acosta, yoga teacher and teacher trainer, mindfulness coach, speaker, and creative writer. I am also the founder of RadicallyLove.com, a website where you can go for more information about yoga, mindfulness, meditation, and lifestyle advice. On this podcast, we talk to people within our health and wellness community that are creating content through the ritualistic practice of yoga, meditation, or overall mindful living. We hope to create value in your life so that you can achieve your highest potential and live a radically loved life. To stay in touch with us, just follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Rosie Acosta and on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie. You can sign up for our newsletter on radicallyloved.com to stay up to date on future workshops, retreats, and latest podcasts. What's up, fam? Who else has tried Fab Fit Fun? If you don't already know about it, it's a seasonal box with full size beauty, fitness and lifestyle products. The box I received was so epic. Truth be told, I've been a subscriber for a long time and when we partnered up, I totally fangirled out <laughs> and admitted to them that I had been a subscriber for years. Each season's box features a variety of amazing quality brands like Tarte, Kate Somerville, Anthropology, Free People, Dr. Brandt, and that's just the beginning of it. So don't miss out because they sell out fast. Check out www.fabfitfun.com and use the code RADICAL. That's R-A-D-I-C-A-L. So you can save $10 off your first box, making it only $39.99. Again, that's fabfitfun.com and use the code RADICAL. You deserve to treat yourself. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Radically Loved Radio. I am joined by a very special guest, Jessica Jade, who is joining us from the East Coast. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited to finally talk to you. Um, For those of you listening, Jessie is such an incredible powerhouse and I've been wanting to get her on the show since when? Like last summer, I feel like. I can't even remember. When we first I actually uh Instagram stalkered her. Uh and that's that's how I think I found you. Cause I think I reached out, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I will admittedly, yeah, see that happens, people. <laughs> um <laughs> so I totally did. And then I was like, you have to be on my podcast, so wanna interview you. So uh welcome, Jesse. Yay. Thank you for having me. Yay. And um, (laughs) for the people that are listening, can you tell them and us a little bit about you and what you do?
0: Yes. So I am what I like to call a heart-centered wellness entrepreneur. All of the work that I do empowers women of color to practice self-care and to embrace their feminine health. And I do this work as a wellness speaker, a writer, I host events and a TV show, and I'm also a health coach and I have a skincare line. So I kind of have my foot in a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> you did that so well. That was great. Um, yeah. I didn't practice it or
0: anything, you know. Right?
1: Oh, that's funny. I don't like that. That is so good. So we, we were just chatting and I figured I would just start recording because you started telling me about a uh, well, let's really go back. I shoved a (laughs) peanut butter cup in my mouth right before we got on and she happened to already be on. So she heard me like shoving. Chomping. Yep. And uh, so I had to tell her what I was doing. And then she told me that she's in the middle of doing a sugar cleanse, which I've done myself and I know how agonizing it is. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about that? I'm like, let's just jump right in. What's happening?
0: Yeah, so I must be a bit of a masochist because I've done it before. Oh, you have? Okay. I've definitely done it before. Um, it was actually one of the first things that I explored when I became a health coach. They, you know, They tell you to try a bunch of these different cleanses and detoxes so that you know what you're talking about when you're talking to clients and asking them to do a sugar cleanse, which to be honest, isn't the easiest thing to do. I think especially in the U S because so much of our food has added or processed sugar, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. really difficult to avoid sugar. Unless, unless you're like extremely intentional about every single thing that you eat, which you should try to be. So I'm right now it's week two and it's been a little rough. So when Rosie mentioned the uh, <laughs> Reese's <laughs> cup, I'm like, "Oh my god, that sounds so good." <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good. It's it's working, and I actually I recruited a few people to do it with me. Oh, so it's nice not to do it alone, but it's still not easy per se, especially after only one week.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's definitely intense. I've talked about it before on this particular podcasts about how I'm a sugar addict and i've you know i go through phases of getting off of sweets and then being on sweets and then getting off sweets and so i feel like right now i'm i'm at the precipice of going downhill
0: <laughs> oh man
1: <laughs> that's the truth i'm going to be totally honest with everybody i am it's that sort of, I I didn't have it for a long time. I, I actually, the entire month of January and most of February, I didn't have it. And I'm in the middle of like doing this really intense, like wellness journey with doing acupuncture and all this, all this stuff right now. And so I'm supposed to be off sugar, but the last couple of days, it just kind of feels like I got together with some friends. There was some you know, peanut M Ms involved, and then little by little, it's just kind of started. I could see it, you know, starting to go downhill. So I, bet I'm, I'm just feeling like you speaking to taking a break is is speaking to my soul, telling me that it's probably time that I
0: should. It was meant to be a little bit. It, it was really was, and I just find you know, diabetes is running rampant, especially um, in Latino and African American. Yeah communities. You know, Harvard Medical School talks about how, did a study on how it's connected to heart disease. And we, it's, I know it's difficult because I'm a bit of a sugar addict myself. I have celiac disease. So there aren't many things that I can indulge in and candy and ice cream tend to be one of the things that I can actually eat. Um, so I think I find comfort in it, especially around this time of year. Like, the holidays and then winter, man. So I had really had to let it go because I was spiraling.
1: Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, that being said, uh, I really would love to hear about your wellness journey and how it came to be that you went from uh, being not in this place, right? (laughs) Being in this place of health and wellness to, you know, creating such a, huge and incredible, powerful uh, community of of health and wellness. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey and and how you got to be here?
0: Absolutely. So it definitely started around the age of 21. That's when it really took off my wellness, my personal wellness journey. And it was all because I kept getting sick. I basically lived my entire life in the ER with a stomach bug or, you know, a a stomach flu or whatever it is that the doctors would say it was. And, you know, by the age of eight, I would like rub my tummy in circular motions and I wouldn't even wake my mom up because she was a single mom. She had to go to work in the morning. I wouldn't even wake her up. It'd be like two or three in the morning and I'm making myself tea. And I never, you know, for me, this was normal. This was life. And when I turned 21, I graduated college, I got a great job at a hospital here in New York City, and I would have to call out of work because I was sick and I would be throwing up in the bathroom at work. And I just could not understand how despite eating a healthier diet, because I was cooking my own meals and I was exercising, I'm like, why am I always sick? So I finally took the plunge when I got a serious bout of eczema all, all over my upper body. I mean, it was really gross. It didn't look like eczema. My mom had eczema, so I knew what the, her kind of eczema looked like. Mine looked like leprosy. Like, it was just ridiculous. It was so bad. So I go to the dermatologist, and they're like, oh, it's eczema, and they give me a steroid cream. I used the steroid cream for two months. In in a New York City summer. I don't know if you've been to New York City in the Mm -hmm. summer. I have. Hot. Uh It is sweaty. It is gross. And I couldn't let the sun touch my skin because the steroid cream made my skin so sensitive. So I had to wear a turtleneck all summer. And I went. I, I was just like, I literally cannot live my life like this. So I started doing research and I decided to go to my PCP. And I basically threatened him. I'm like, listen, dude, I am not leaving here until you tell me what's wrong with me. I am coming back every two weeks. And I worked up the block, so he knew I was serious. I'm like, I am booking my appointments now, today. And so he was a Puerto Rican dude. I'm Puerto Rican and Dominican, so we vibed. He understood me. I'm like, I'm serious. I am not playing games with you, sir. And so... And so I did. I kept my word. I went to his office every two weeks. And finally, during the second month of me visiting his office incessantly, he's like, I think you have celiac disease. And I'm like, what? What is that? And he sent me to a gastroenterologist. They did an endoscopy. And that's what it was. I had celiac disease. I, I couldn't have wheat, gluten, rye, barley, and that's what was causing the eczema and all the other skin conditions. Once I stopped eating gluten, my skin changed. You know, I, I was feeling amazing. I had energy. I could sleep. It, it was like literally my whole life changed when I stopped eating gluten. Which sounds so ridiculous, but it's, but it's true. Mm-hmm.
1: God, I mean, it it doesn't sound ridiculous. I mean, to me, there's so many things that happen uh they're a manifestation of what's happening internally that we don't that's just not how we are raised right we're not raised to to know those things like oh, my skin is reacting or I'm having uh, my mood is is changing we don't stop to think, well, what are you putting inside of it to create that reaction? It's not always the case, but it's definitely not the one of the first things that we look at, which I think we should
0: i agree, I agree completely, and you know. Another great thing came out of that skin condition and celiac was that I started my own skincare line because I couldn't Mm -hmm. use the steroid cream anymore. So a lot of amazing things happened from what most people would consider a really terrible situation. My gastroenterologist was like, you have celiac disease and it's 99.9% accurate. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. So happy. I was celebrating. He looked at me like I was an alien. He's like, you're the first person who's ever celebrated not being able to eat bread. I'm like, dude, I've been eating, living 25 years of my life feeling like crap. Yeah. And I can stop it. I can change. So it was great. Wow. And
1: so what inspired you then to create, and I definitely want to talk about your product line, but what inspired you to then build a life where this is, this is what you wanted to speak to?
0: I just realized that a lot of women, especially women of color, I would say, don't advocate for themselves. And when they do, they're not taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my mom, my grandmother, my great grandmother, her mother, all of the women, women in my family have gotten either fallopian tube or ovarian cancer. And one of the things that I noticed growing up and in my childhood was that the women in my family sacrificed everything for everyone but themselves. My mom, to this day, I have to fight with her to get her to take a day off of work and go to the doctor. My mom could be dying with the flu and she will still go to work. Right? Mm. Yeah. And I understand that I've been allotted that privilege to sit back and consider what's wrong with me and go to the doctor and do all these things. And that my mom and my grandmother and her mother didn't necessarily have that privilege. Mm-hmm. So I'm grateful that their sacrifices allowed me to do that. Mm-hmm. But that was a, that's a reality to this day in Latino and African-American communities where women, you know, suffer from all kinds of illnesses, heart disease, cancer, mm-hmm. diabetes, and they aren't getting checked. They're not focusing on themselves and their health because they have so many other things on their plate. Right. So for me, it was just crucial. And, you know, it's a matter of life and death.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I know that you can probably relate to this, but for my family, it's, it's same story, um, where it's almost looked upon as a privilege to worry about your health or self care, as opposed to it being just something that is part of your daily life. Do you find that to be true for you as well? Or fa- speaking of family in particular?
0: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like my mom, I'll tell my mom, you know, I stayed home today cause I wasn't feeling my best. I, I suffer from seasonal depression and Sometimes I need to take two days off. Sometimes I just need a mental health day where I can lay in my bed, make some tumor, make a tumor tonic and like watch a movie and just chill and avoid humanity. (laughs) Seriously. Sometimes that's my medicine. That's all I need. And then the next day I'll be feel so much better. My mom's like, Oh my God, (laughs) Jesse home from work because you don't feel good mentally. And I'm like, yeah, dude, you should try it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, it's definitely one of those things. And look, I, I find that having a balance, you know, I, I, everything to take into an extreme is not good. Right. So it's like, if I have a, um, you know, mental holiday, uh, day it, that could possibly for me turn into like two weeks or a month or <laughs> like, I am just checking out, you know? Um, to the person that never takes a day off and that doesn 't focus on their health at all and well, and I feel too it's not not even it's not just a cultural uh, ailment it's also just a societal thing that mm-hmm. I think that especially as women women entrepreneurs, I think that it's something that we all suffer from the. I, I interviewed not that long ago um, Yvonne Telly. She wrote this book called Breaking Up with Busy. Mm. And it was so good because it just kind of reminded me of how we forget about the importance that we have to take time to do certain things and we have to be able to take time to rest and to recover and to be able to, um, refocus our energy into the things that make us feel good and to the things that regenerate us, that give us, uh, um, that respite that we need from daily life. Right. So, You mentioned something that I I don't know if you're wanting or willing to share about your uh, seasonal depression, but um, I I know a lot of people that suffer from this. Can you tell the audience about what that is?
0: Yeah, sure. So seasonal depression usually starts around, I mean, at least for me, I'm not an expert, obviously, but I can only talk for myself. But it starts, for me, it starts around um, January. And I think it's because days start to get shorter in january and if you live the type of life that i live where i'm mostly indoors because it's new york city and it's freezing outside and you don't get a lot of vitamin d sometimes you tend to feel a little depressed mm-hmm. and it's the official name is seasonal affective disorder right mm-hmm. and so it's a form of depression and really for me it does and i know it's seasonal depression because i don't feel this way any other time of year and it's usually the months of January and February. Because right now I feel pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's those two months that kick my butt. You know, I'm nostalgic. I'm tired. I'm easily easily irritable. Mm-hmm. I really don't want to re-around people. I'm exhausted. And I'm just sad. Like the best things in life can be happening. And I'm just like, meh. No motivation. It's a really tough time for a lot of people. And, you know, I, I actually talked about it on Instagram recently. This, like, during this season of depression that I was going through, I talked about it on Instagram. And I really had, like, one of those moments where I'm so proud that I share everything the way that I do about my life. Because some people are like, why do you share so much? I'm like, because other people go through things and don't talk about it. And I want them to know it's okay to talk about it. And I had a very clear moment where my mom, she called me because she saw my Insta story. Mm -hmm. And she calls me and she's like, she FaceTimes me. And I'm like, hey mom, like, is everything okay? And she's like, yeah, baby, I just wanted to call you, see how you're doing. You know, I saw that you're sad. And then we got into this really deep conversation for 45 minutes where we both cried and laughed and joked about depression and missing her dad who committed suicide because he suffered from depression. Oh, wow. And we talked about, you know, what she does to feel better. And I told her what I do to feel better. And it was just a beautiful moment where my mom, for the first time, actually opened up about something that I've known she's had forever. Well, wow. So I'm, I'm more than willing to talk about it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, I think that's so powerful. I, I lived in Portland, Oregon for a couple of years and I never knew that that was even a thing until I moved up there. And yeah, all the things that you said, the lack of sunlight, uh, the 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 wetness of the land, like the <laughs> not seeing a sliver of blue sky, all of that really affected me. And I, I didn't know that that was um, something that actually had a name. And so when I found out, it made me feel a lot better because it did give me a little bit of recourse with regard to not thinking it was something deeper, you know, something that I wasn't dealing with. It was just, you know, my environment was actually affecting me. And, and I love that you're able to speak to that. And what a healing moment for you and your mom to be able to talk about something that can be a heavy subject, right?
0: Yeah. Absolutely. It was cathartic for sure. Especially wow. because we have suicide in our family and yeah. it's, it's so close to home. My, my grandfather was my dad, my mom's favorite person. Mm. So we, it really helped me understand her even more and help, it helped me to understand my childhood mm-hmm. more when we talked about it. And it was just, it was, it really put me at peace and now I know that I have a, have her as a support system in a, a an even deeper way,
1: yeah, yeah. I was just about to ask you that when you were talking about how your mom saw your stories, my in, initial was like, oh, you know like <laughs> oh, how, like how do you feel about family members stalking you on social media, or like you know I, I have such a uh, you know a uh, split feeling about Social media in general, and everybody who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about it. You know, uh, it's like a love, not love, relationship. And uh, the thing about the family members uh, on social media, it's it's interesting because I feel like now having a medium like uh, Instagram or Facebook, you have an opportunity to get to know those people in your life. How? In, in in other ways, you may or may not have known, you know, somebody that doesn't live in your city or that you don't see quite often. Like, how would you know what their likes are, how they vote or what they're into or what they're going through, you know? So social media really allows for that. But, you know, it could be a great thing and it could be a not great thing. And I, I'm just, I was curious, but you answered that essentially whether it's a good thing or or not a good thing.
0: For me, it's a little bit of both sometimes. Um, I tend to whenever I'm gonna post something that I know is gonna ruffle feathers, I tell the people that are involved, like I'll I recently posted something about myself being a cheater Mm -hmm. and how I've cheated on every single boyfriend I've ever had, Mm -hmm. except for the one that I've been dating for five years. And so I had a very in-depth conversation with my boyfriend about where that comes from and why I wanted to share it. And I let him know that he might have family and friends <laughs> who might be reaching out to him. Yeah. When I saw that, And he did, but he was prepared. So like, for me, it's about divulging information that's relevant, like, especially because I'm an entrepreneur. It's relevant to me for me to divulge that information because I want people to understand that the pretty picture that everyone posts on social media isn't always reality. Sometimes you are having those amazing moments, but people only post highlights. And so for me, I use my platform to share the parts of my life that are ugly, beautiful, happy, sad. And I do that with the hopes to make social media a better place where people can really share their lives and feel open and be able to be vulnerable and have conversations with someone who maybe they wouldn't have had that conversation. Like the other day, my sister contacted me and she's like, what did you mean when you posted that you grew up in a white family? Because my family, my mom's side of the family is Puerto Rican and they're very fair skin. Like my mom is so white, you can see the green veins in her chest. (laughs) and I'm not because of my dad, right? And so growing up in that kind of environment obviously had an impact on me and how I felt about myself. Mm. And it's nothing that they did or that they tried to do. They loved the crap out of me. I was such a loved little girl, you know? Mm -hmm. But it still has an effect on you. And so I talked about the duality of being you know, of loving African-American culture and being a Latina and understanding that you can be Black and be Latina.
1: Yeah. I love that. That's such a great, um, such a great awareness. And it's such a beautiful thing to be able to speak to freely especially in in the type of environment that we 're in, and who who better than your family to be able to have these conversations and that 's actually one of the reasons why I brought it up because initially, when I first uh, came into the the health and wellness world I, uh, I I felt so overwhelmed by the amount of change that I wanted to create and make and you know, I wanted to create a big impact and I wanted to reach people and I wanted to help change lives and just how, you know, uh, yoga and meditation and health and wellness had changed mine. And I remember one of the first mentors that I worked with uh, when I was like, how do I even start? You know, and she was like, well, you start with your family first. You start with the people closest to you. And I was like, my jaw dropped. I'm like, there's no way. (laughs) Right. I'm like, there is no absolutely no way that this is actually going to number one, that they're gonna be into it. Number two, that it's actually gonna help them. And number three, that they're gonna care. Right. I was I was proven wrong in in the long term, but initially it was it was tough,
0: you know. Absolutely. I yeah, it is difficult. It's and it's scary because you don't want to hurt the people that you love. Right. And you don't want to force them to do anything that they don't want to do. But, you know, and I've also had these moments where I'm like, like, who am I to have all of these dreams about helping other women and helping women of color and helping my family and doing all these things? Like, who am I? Right. But then there's just something in me that would haunt me if I didn't, you know, like if I didn't try to have those conversations and I've always been this way and this is something that my friends have always said, Like you've made me a more open person because I just can't let have things left unsaid.
1: Yeah. Wow. I love that. Uh, we can spend an entire afternoon talking about this, but I definitely want to, (laughs) I definitely want to talk about Sunkiss Organics and, um, your journey into creating this beautiful skincare beauty line. Uh, and you know, I'm curious as to how you started it and what inspired you to create it.
0: So it was partly necessity And partly because I was inspired by my great-grandmother. I'm fortunate enough to still have her. She's still alive, lives in Puerto Rico with her chicken. Wow, (laughs) great-grandmother. that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, I just saw her in January. I went over there. And, um, well, so when I got the terrible bout of eczema, before I knew I had celiac disease, And I was using that awful steroid cream that made my skin burn. Literally, I felt like a vampire. I'm like, I can't be in the sun. (laughs) Like, it was awful. I was like, I can't live this life. And I started thinking about my childhood and what my mom would use and what she would use on our skin and our hair. And it hit me. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Mama Teresa used to mail us homemade coconut oil. Like she would make it herself. She would pick the coconuts. She would crack them open, take the meat out, do the whole process. She would do the whole thing. And then she would ship it. I don't know how much money she spent on shipping, but she would ship so much coconut oil. And my mom would lather us in the thing. And so I thought to myself, maybe I should call her and see what she says. Cause if I have eczema and my mom had eczema, either she had it or she knows how to deal with it. So I call her up and I'm like, Mama. You know, what do I do for my skin? She's like, make your own stuff. I don't know why you guys buy everything. Mm -hmm. Everything in the store is crap. And I'm like, well, okay, sassy. I'm like, all right. So I start, you know, I have Google. I have YouTube. I have grandma. I'm like, let's do this. So I start like just mixing different recipes. And I came up with one that actually helped my skin. Now I will, I'm the first to tell you, Skincare is, it's a holistic, you have to have a holistic approach to everything. So once I started changing my diet and I changed my skincare, my skin changed. Mm. You look at my skin now, no one believes that I have eczema because you can't see it. Sometimes in the winter it acts up a little bit and then I just, you know, really start drinking my omega threes and my fish oil and putting my balm on and it goes back and it goes away again. But You know, it's a a holistic approach. Nothing I give you for the outside is going to completely change your skin if you're eating freaking Doritos all day. Right. Right? Like, it's not, that's not how life works. (laughs) So once I changed my diet and really got that recipe down, I was like, huh, this stuff is good. So I gave it to my mom. I, of course, start with the family, gave it to everyone in my family, started making different products. And I've been making skincare for six years now. Sunkiss has been an official line Sunkiss Organics for 3 years and that's that's how I got started. I mean again, it always goes back for me at least in my wellness journey, everything that I've created whether it's my show girl talk or the wellness programs, the coaching programs or the skincare, it always goes back to me and something creating something that I needed. Mhm.
1: Mhm. What do you think is your biggest driving force in everything that
0: you do? You know, it's going to sound funny, but it's, it's women of color. I, I see myself in them. I see my family in them. I see my abuela in them. I see all the things that they didn't have access to and sometimes still don't have access to. And it just pushes me. It pushes me to, show them the possibilities of who they can be both by living a life that's in alignment, but also by giving them tips and, you know, strategies so that they can do the same.
1: Mm -hmm. Where do you see, where do you see your brand, your message, your voice headed? Like where, what is the big picture? Where do you want to take it? What do you want to, where do you want to have impact? Like, what do you see it becoming?
0: I always say that I see what I'm doing, becoming a wellness empire. (laughs) I know that sounds so funny, but I, I, I do. I believe that it's going to be the type of platform that not only educates, but liberates. I wanna create products and services and events and shows that really genuinely help people, that help people get out of their own way and feel their own power, know that they have everything that they need within them to have a healthier, better life.
1: I love that. Um, You know, part of what I really love about you and, and how I happened to stumble on your page and whatever, uh, you know, whatever wormhole I went into, (laughs) however (laughs) it happened, I'm grateful that it did. But one of the things that struck me the most about you, I think maybe I was watching your stories or something. I just really loved how real and authentic and how expressive you were, and how passionate you were, and so I think that that passion and that drive is really what continues to inspire everybody around you and and it'll continue to inspire the people that need to hear the message the most and so i'm I'm truly grateful for that um, One of the things that I wanted to to ask you and and we're headed towards you know our final questions here, but what do you think is the most challenging issue you've had to overcome in your journey to becoming a health and wellness entrepreneur?
0: You know, I think that there's a few things, but I would say my own fear, um, fear that the dream is too big? that the goals are too far-fetched, that I'm not the person to do it. And I think a lot of people could probably relate to that. It's like imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't matter how many credentials you have or life experience or hands-on experience in the field. I find that women like us sometimes don't feel like we belong. That sometimes a seat, we're not given a seat at the table. And sometimes we're not given the finances, you know, the, the investment. Sometimes it's financial.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I've had a little bit of all of that stop me. We're not, I don't want to say stop because it hasn't stopped me, but kind of delay. Delay me mm. in certain aspects of my life, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that when I went through my own personal health issues, where I felt like I was like, I literally felt like I was dying felt awful. And I was able to overcome that and figure out what it was and advocate for myself. That's when it clicked. That's when I was like, oh, I got this. I can do that. I love that.
1: What advice would you give your 15-year-old self?
0: Do whatever the hell you want. I, I wish I could put that on a banner, like, and I, I wish I could have just put it on a banner and like in my room. I could be a fairy and just like plop into my. <laughs> on oh, <I love> <laughs> a freaking huge banner, <laughs> do whatever the hell you want, because I find that society sometimes even family. They try to put you in these boxes. Like I was always this really artsy, nerdy. I love to read, like would lock myself in the bathroom to read Harry Potter, like that kind of person. Like I would write poetry and write for newspapers. And I'd always felt like something that I like, like, like I should feel guilty for doing the thing mm-hmm. that I wanted to do. And I think if I would have just done whatever the hell I wanted to do, I don't know who knows where I'd be, you know?
1: Oh, I love that. What, what would your 95-year-old self tell you now?
0: Continue to do whatever the hell you want to do. <laughs> I've done it now. Like, now I'm like, people are like, wait, you left your job for this, and you're doing what, and what else are you doing? And people try to get you to, like, they're like, oh, oh my gosh, this is the, the branding and marketing sentence that I hate the most. Stay in your lane. Oh. Why? Why? I want to learn how to host a show. I want to learn how to be a director. I want to do these things. What's to stop me? Nothing.
1: Yeah, I like
0: that. I've actually I've never thought about it
1: in in those terms, but that makes sense. You know, I I like that. I like yeah. that. <laughs> Thanks. I'm like, ooh, I like that. I like that. Uh, that different perspective, because I've always been told that, you know, stay in your lane, like, you know, jack of all trades, master of none, but it is very limiting, isn't it? And I I like to do different things as well. So I I like, I like your take. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. Um, So for the people listening, before I ask you uh, the final question, is there anything that you would like to share with the audience or anything that you want to speak to before we wrap?
0: Yes, so I mentioned that I have an organic skincare line and I am in the works, I'm almost done. In two weeks, I'm gonna be launching a Kickstarter campaign to raise $15,000 in capital. We are getting an organic USDA certification doing a huge rebrand and I'm, I'm already working with a designer and the labels look amazing and I just want to be able to provide my products at a larger quantity at a cheaper price and just be able to put it in places where people need it to be whole foods, all these awesome places, trade shows and you need capital for that. You need investors, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I am hoping you will all invest in the Sunkiss organics Kickstarter
1: yay and links to the Kickstarter will be in the links in the info of this particular podcast as well as any links uh connecting us with uh, jessie and we can follow her on there and we can learn more about her and her story and her journey and all the offerings that she has uh, on the info button of this particular podcast. You can get all the links there um, so final question. Okay. This, this goes by way too fast. I'm like, I feel (laughs) like we literally just got on. So it's pertaining to this podcast and, um, what radically loved means and radically loved means that we are supported by the universe, that it works for us and not against us. And we all have, uh, this innate, uh, right to be and to feel radically loved. And so the final question, it comes in two parts. The first part is how do you feel radically loved? And the second part is what do you radically love?
0: Okay, wow, that's a big one. Um, So I guess I'd say that I feel radically loved when I'm in alignment with my core values, with my why. You know, when I'm doing work for women of color, I feel radically loved when i'm around people who support me and who are also in alignment with what i what i have going on in life i feel radically. that's when i feel radically loved
1: mm-hmm. what do you radically love
0: me i radically love myself and i'm not a person who's self-centered and i know a lot of people are probably going to say what but i radically love myself and i think that that understanding and that willingness to love myself is what has allowed me to pour into other people. It's what allows me to continue to do this work every single day because I know how to love myself. I love myself radically every day. And when I'm able to do that because I'm able to do that, I can do it for others.
1: Mm. Wow. Well, this is so good. Jesse! thank you so (laughs) much. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you and to get to know you a little bit more. And obviously you know that I'm a big supporter of you and what you're doing and your product line. And I'm I'm just, I'm so thrilled to continue to see you evolve and grow and reach more people. So thank you for doing what you do. Um, And thank you for being a part of our podcast and a part of this community.
0: You're welcome. And thank you. I love what you're doing here. I listen to your podcast all the time. (laughs) So good. I'm like, yes.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening. See us soon again. You can follow us on Instagram, on all the social media channels. Again, if you need those links, they will be on the show notes of this particular podcast don't forget to leave leave us a review and rate this podcast if you enjoyed it uh if you didn't please don't give us a one star that sucks but um, (laughs) if you didn't like it you didn't like it just unsubscribe but don't give us a bad rating i mean that's shitty um okay anyway thank you (laughs) jesse just wanted to make you laugh um thank you all so much Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us. Message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes. Write a review. We love doing this. So please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening. Is there something missing in your life? is there something that you want to do in the world to create an impact but feel that it's overwhelming so many of us walk through life feeling unsatisfied overwhelmed tired and desperate for a deeper connection but don't quite know how to achieve the things that we want in life join us this spring at the dunsky castle in scotland for seven days of yoga meditation and yoga nidra all focusing on finding your life's purpose during our time together we will learn how and when to take action how to lead from our heart and not our head how to break up with our inner critic for good and dive deep into learning about desire and discipline and how this creates a purposeful life for more information go to radicallyloved.com or you can message us at info at subject scotland we'll see you soon